Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. As we all move forward in light of COVID-19, we want to encourage you to make a priority of joining us in person for worship. Because as you know, listening to a podcast can never replace the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we look forward to seeing you soon. In the meantime, here is this week's message. We're just so glad you're here. I hope you had a good time of worship. I want to start with asking you this question. Have you ever gotten yourself into something and you weren't understanding and you didn't understand the full reality of what it entailed? Like you thought it was going to be one thing, then you started doing it and you found out it was something completely different or what was expected of you was completely different. I did this, well, not that long ago. You see, I always wanted to get back into martial arts. And where I lived before here, I did it a little while when I was younger. And when, uh, where, I moved, where I lived before here, they didn't have things like that. And we were super busy. I was doing school and stuff like that. So once we moved here, I said, okay, I'm done school. I got all that out of the way. We're moving to a place that has a lot of opportunities. And I said, I, I just want to get back in, get this hobby, and I want to get back in to martial arts. I was so excited. It was a win-win-win all around. I was happy. And so I landed on jujitsu. Right? Jiu-jitsu took the martial arts world by storm. And, you know, I was still young enough to do all this, at least I thought. And I had a brought my brother was in it and he enjoyed it. And I said, okay, well, I know he wants to do it. So I'm going to do it because I want him to be jealous that I'm better than him. Right? Anybody ever done something like that? Yeah. Okay. At least that one's not just me. So I signed up for it. And of course, of course, I didn't need like the intro class to see if I liked it. I just signed up for a year. I was like, I got this. I don't need to try it out. I already know what this is about. And so took my first class and yeah, I threw up, but it was a manly throw up. So it was okay. It was, it was all right. And then just after a while, I, I realized something. I said, I just don't feel like going twice a click at twice a week at seven o'clock at night, getting beat up by a bunch of young kids. Like, I'm not enjoying this. It's not what I thought it was going to be. It was much more intense than I thought it was going to be. And to make it worse, there was a lot of college kids there. And how often do you think they washed their uniform? They didn't. And it, I was like, all right, like, I'm too old. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. It was much more than I bargained for. You ever done something like that? You ever took that job and just said, I'm the right person for it, and you got to that job and you're like, whoa, this is not what I was expecting. Maybe you're like one of those people who decided to get into buying storage units or flipping houses, right, because they did it on TV, and you can make tons of money if everybody on TV does it, so you get into it to find out, well, it's a little more involved than you, than you thought, or maybe you signed up for marriage, or maybe you signed up for being a parent, didn't realize all that that entailed. And I'm a firm believer that nobody, nobody has four kids on purpose. I'm a firm believer in that because after three, I'm telling you, I'm like, there's no way it's not happening, right? One way or another, all of us have been shocked. We've gotten into something. It was just difficult. It wasn't what we were expecting. And I learned something about myself. I learned that there's one word that can cause me to think through all the decisions I'm making, it's one word that will cause me to stick with something I really don't want to do or to cause me to walk away from things that I don't want to do. You see, because 
after jujitsu, I decided to get into CrossFit. Listen, I have a lot of great ideas in my life, and I, it's fun being me. I try a lot of different stuff, but me and Jess decided we were gonna we were gonna do this, and we just jumped right in. And I came in limping one day. I mean, I was just sore and proud, kind of at the same time. It was just hurting. And Miles, our drummer, if you don't know who Miles is, I'm a, he's our drummer. He looked at me. He said, "What's wrong?" I said, oh, man, I just had this great workout. It's just, and, he, and I was explaining it to him, and I could see the look on his face, and he just said, why? <laughs> and I looked at him puzzled for a moment because I didn't have a good answer. And the question bothered me. It was just eating at me. I said, well, I'm not really getting stronger. I'm, I'm not losing weight. I, I don't look like Arnold yet. Like none of those things are happening. So why am I actually doing this? I didn't have a good answer. In fact, I was always tired and I was always sore. I mean, when was the last time you looked at your life and actually answered the question, Why? Like, why is my schedule this packed? Why do I have my kids in that many things? Why am I working here? Why am I doing this? Why am I actually mad at this person? Or why am I avoiding doing what I know I need to do? When was the last time you asked yourself why? It's a great way to discover your personal values. Well, how about when it comes to your faith? Do you have the answer for, for why? Why you do the things you do? Because I bet all of us got into following Jesus not realizing what it would entail. I bet all of us started this faith journey thinking it was one thing, and the more we learned about Jesus, the more we grew in our faith, the more we got into it, we realized there's a lot more required. Like, there's a lot of fine print that nobody told us about. So as we grow and we get into this, do you have the answer for why? Because there will be times, guaranteed, there will be times in your life when following Jesus takes you this way, and then what you want to do takes you this way, and there's going to be a choice all of us come to that we say, am I going to follow Jesus, or am I going to do what I feel or think is the right thing to do? It's that question, why? Why am I doing this? will change everything. You see, that's the situation we find ourselves in Hebrews. The people are facing some very, very difficult things, far more difficult than we'll probably ever go to uh, go through, but we still all go through difficult circumstances. And they are facing this tough stuff being a Christian, and the author anticipates them asking why. He anticipates them wondering, should I stick with it? Because people have left the faith. People are thinking about walking away from the faith. People have all sorts of stuff. When, that, when those hard things go on in our lives, we say, is it worth it? Should I keep going? So I tried a different way. And so the author knows that. He's like, let me, let me talk to you about the why. And this section that we're going to look at, Hebrews chapter 11, is the most detailed explanation of faith in the Bible. It's like 1 Corinthians 13. You know how that talks about love? Did you know you don't have to wonder what love is? You don't have to look to Hollywood to figure out what love is. You don't even have to look at your parents. 1 Corinthians 13 tells you all about love. It defines love. In the same way, Hebrews 11 defines faith, what faith looks like, what faith actually is. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. 
In fact, he starts off with a definition. Look at this. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I bet you've seen that in like a plaque or a store. You've seen pictures all around. It's from the Bible. That's where that's from. But notice he gives us a two-part definition of faith and see that faith and hope are, are linked. They're tied together. You see, hope is what we happen in the future. Hope is future-oriented. It's what we want to happen. It's the things that we hope. Well, I, can't, I shouldn't use the word to define the word, right? But it's the things in the future that we need to happen or want to happen. And faith is what gives our hope substance. Faith is the difference between us just being an optimist and us being a Christian. You see, wishful thinking says, and you know this is, when somebody tells you this, it just drives you crazy. And they go, oh, everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be okay. And you go, it doesn't feel like everything's going to work out. It doesn't feel like everything's going to be okay. It's just like baseless hope. There's, no, there's nothing there. It's just optimism. But faith says, well, everything's going to work out because God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. See, faith brings substance to your hope. It, it, there's meat to it. There's reality. There's confidence to it. Because in order to have faith, you've got to have faith in something. So ours is we have faith in God and who he is. And he also says faith is the assurance or faith is the conviction about what we do not see. And this two-part definition helps us that faith moves us to the future, which we can't see, right? Anybody, do you know your own future? No, but we wish we did, right? So our future is the unknown. But also there's a future about the spiritual things, the things unseen. So faith is the substance. Faith is the conviction. It's the meat that this unseen reality can be brought to life. For that unknown future, things will happen. Faith is the thing that convicts us to that. One author compares it to eyesight. You see, eyesight produces conviction about the visible things, right? You see something with your eyes and it brings you conviction about it. Faith is the same thing for the unseen things. Faith is like your eyesight. It brings things into focus. It allows you to see things and understand things differently. One author says, faith is the act of commitment on the part of the believer, whereas hope is the state of mind which he possesses. You see, what we're going to learn today and what I want you to see is that faith is about movement. Faith is about living boldly for the Lord. That's what faith is all about. And there's two common misconceptions we're going to look at real quick. There's the misconceptions about faith that some says faith is God's goodness to me or faith equals creed approach. Let's break these down for a second. Faith in God's goodness to me, this is the idea that my faith only produces good things in my life. Good things to me. That's the pleasurable things. That's the health, the wealth, the prosperity, right? If I have faith in God, then those other bad things won't happen to me. It doesn't take long to live to figure out that's not true. And if you have that type of faith, you ask questions when something bad or something that unfortunate happens in your life, you go, well, why would God allow? Well, because your faith is rooted in the fact that you think God only gives good things that you want. We're rooted in he only gives me things that I need, that, like this American dream type of thing. 
But faith isn't that. Faith is what gets us through those difficult times. Faith is what keeps us moving forward when life gets hard. It's what we lean on. It's what we trust in. And then faith equal creed approach. This is where my faith is what I believe. Now, to be fair, a mental assertion about some facts, the Bible does use the word the faith like that, but it's not very often. By far, when the scriptures talk about faith, they're speaking about action. They're speaking about this dynamic movement in a person's life. Meaning saying you have faith isn't saying that you just believe a couple of things. That's saying I believe. Faith is something different. Faith is living. Faith is movement. Faith is stepping out. You see, Jesus promises all sorts of great things in life. And when any of us hear good news, we put our hope in that good news. Like this vaccine, we're hoping that this vaccine will do what it says. We're putting our hope in it. We're saying, yeah, we want this to happen. Faith is what convicts us to move forward in that. Faith is what convicts us to take action on that. Faith is alive. Faith is active. Faith is dynamic. And we all probably understand that language can only take us so far when we define things and we talk about things. Language, there's a part of definitions that we're like, well, I need some more. And so the author's like, here, I'm going to give you plenty of examples so you can see exactly what I mean by this. In verse 2, he says this. Verse 1, he says, now faith is the confidence what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. And if you haven't read this chapter on your own, I highly suggest you read it. It's an amazing chapter. It's, this is the Heroes of Faith or Hall of Faith, Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith chapter. And then he starts listing out through this chapter all these people who live by faith. He talks about Noah. And when he was warned of the dangers of the flood coming, what did he do? I built an ark. You remember that? And by faith, he built that ark. He talks about Abraham, who was called to leave his home, to leave his family, without even knowing where he was going. How many of us won't even leave our house without knowing where we're going? Some of you planners, right? Abraham, he's like, God says, I need you to go. He's like, where? He said, just go. He's like, all right. And he just goes. Didn't even know where he was going yet. Talks about Abraham by faith. Remember this? He offered his son as a sacrifice. His one and only son. Said, well, God, God can bring him back from the dead, so it really doesn't matter. God will take care of this. Then we have Jacob. He talks about Jacob who said a blessing on his kids. He talked about the future that will come true. By faith he did that knowing that God could bring those things to pass. Talk about Joseph who spoke about how God will deliver the, um, the Israelites from the Egyptians. Talks about Moses who left being the son of, Mo, uh, son of Pharaoh's daughter to live a life of serving God's people. And, of course, the entire Israel nation who walked through the Red Sea by faith, knowing that the waters wouldn't crush on them. And then talks about the Israelites when they walked around Jericho. You remember that story? And the walls came tumbling down. There's a kid song there, isn't it? It's starting to come to mind. Scott, can we sing that at the end? He says, yes, okay. And so he talks about it. I want you to see this. And, again, read it on your own. But when he talks about faith, he never talks about someone who just sits there and thinks. It's not what faith is. 
Faith is about movement. It's about moving forward, about taking steps. It's dynamic. It's alive. It's active. And he says this in verse 32. He says, and what more shall I say? Like, do you need any more? Wasn't that enough? He's like, well. He said, I do not have the time to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephalaf and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions. That, does that excite anybody else here? Isn't it like awesome? Wouldn't you like to shut the mouth of a lion? Just two of us here, nobody else? I think it'd be pretty cool. Keep going. Quench the fury of the flame. Now that's, that's pretty cool, doing something like that. Okay. And escape the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies, armies and women received back their dead, raised to life again. He said, by faith, people were doing bold, living, bold movements for the Lord. Faith is exciting. Faith is following God no matter what life throws at you. It's, it's um, movement-oriented. I need us to understand that. Faith isn't sitting idle. Faith is not boring it's not mundane. Faith is movement. And by faith, you'll see miracles. You'll see God come through. You'll see God do seemingly impossible things in you and through your life. But faith is not comfortable. A life of comfort is not a life of faith. Faith is something very different. And faith isn't just for superheroes. In fact, none of these people that he listed, you should read some of their stories. They are nowhere near perfect. God never asked for us being perfect. He asked for us to be faithful. And why they're listed is because they lived by faith and they walked by faith. The scholar Guthrie writes this. He says, he calls us with our habits and hang-ups. Any of us have habits we want to break? How many of us are still following our New Year's resolution? Just out of curiosity. None of us. Okay, that's what I figured. It says, he calls us with all our habits and hang-ups, warts and worries, to action. We are called to step out of step with the world. Hop up on the stage of history and take our place in God's roll call of the faithful. Of course we are inadequate but so have been all the others who have evidenced um, the grace of God. It would not be grace otherwise. You see, grace is what we all need. None of us are adequate. None of us have it all together. We are all inadequate. In fact, Charles Stanley says, brokenness is God's requirement for maximum usefulness. Brokenness, knowing you're inadequate, knowing you can't do it on your own, is the first step for God to use you in an amazing way. Faith is for normal people. Faith is saying, I trust you. I will fail if you do not come through. I rely on you. I'm giving this to you. And by the way, God, if you don't come through, it's going to be a mess. If I got to do this on my own, it's going to be a mess. I need you. See, faith is the action portion of your beliefs. When I believed Jessica was the one, I took a step of faith and asked her to marry me. 
Faith acts on our beliefs. And so the author then reminds us the core beliefs, the core things that maybe you need to be reminded of, maybe you need to kind of think through again, or maybe you didn't even know, but he gives us a couple of core beliefs that should and will activate your faith if you really believe them. He says this, going back to verse 3. He says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. You see, Christianity is grounded in the fact of the belief that God created everything. He just spoke it into existence. Out of nothing, he created something. Everything we see was made out of something we cannot see. And the whole point is this, that all of us can get fearful of our future. All of us can be fearful of what we don't see, of what we don't know. We want to control our future, but we can't. It's the unknown. It's the scary. And when we step out on faith, we worry because it's not in our control. But if you believe that God can create all of this, if God can create everything you see out of something you can't see, then what you can't see, which is your future, you can trust that he can create something amazing with that. Does that make sense? Since he made all of this out of nothing, you can't see it, but he made something out of nothing. If God can do that, then that future that you can't see, he can make something out of that. He can do something with that. God is who we believe that he spoke it all into existence. Have you ever thought about what you worry about compared to how big God is? Have you ever thought about how out of proportion that is? When I start thinking about the world, I, well, I can get a bit overwhelmed. You say, Brian, you talking about the culture? No. You talking about society and the way it's heading? No. I mean, I'm literally talking about our world. Do you know we live on a giant spinning rock and at the core of it, the core is as hot as the surface of the sun. We are orbiting around a giant fireball that likes to spit things out in this dark nothingness called space. I mean, if there is something to worry about, folks, that is it. I mean, what if it just doesn't do it one day? Like, think about what we're on. It's crazy. But it doesn't seem like anybody worries about it. We just keep going on about our day, expecting things to, to keep on going. We're only reminded about it when Bruce Willis and Aerosmith team up to make a great movie and great soundtrack. Some of y'all get that later. But our God controls all of that. So every time you make a plan, every time you put your hope that something will happen tomorrow or that you'll go to work or that you'll go to school or you'll pay that tuition, every time you put your hope in something, you're putting your hope that the world keeps spinning. Like well, doesn't hit the sun or a comet doesn't. I mean, think of it. It's crazy. And every time you get out of bed and move towards those things, you're stepping out on faith that it's going to happen. You can trust on it. And if you believe God controls all that and keeps that going, don't you think he can handle what you're going through? 
or what he's leading you towards. Because our faith is rooted in a God who commanded and spoke all of this into existence. Doesn't that make everything else seem rather small? Some of you are going to go home and start thinking about the earth and just scare yourselves to death. But it's been that way for a while now, and hopefully it keeps going until it doesn't. I don't know what happens then. But look at verse 6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible. That probably wakes us all up. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. What's impossible mean? Yeah, you get it. Impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see, a life of faith, not a life of comfort, is the only thing that pleases God. Not just showing up to church on Sunday, but boldly living for the Lord. Listen, a life that pleases God isn't mundane and it's not boring. It's bold and faith-filled. Constantly moving to that next step he's called us to. And we act on faith because he's the one who created this whole thing, which means obviously that he exists. But the second part to that is what we're going to talk about next is that he rewards those, right here, he rewards those. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. And I have to admit, it's one of those things that I shy away from talking about when I talk about the Lord. I shy away about talking about the rewards, and I don't know why. Perhaps because I know how selfish I am inside, and I think it just sounds awful selfish to talk about serving the Lord to be rewarded. But the truth is, what the author Hebrew says, the way to activate our faith, the way to move in on faith is to understand, number one, that he created it all. And number two, he rewards you for it. See, perhaps us not really embracing that second part, that there's a payoff, there's a purpose is why we don't take those risks. You see, if we believe God rewards us, then we know that stepping out on faith or living into faith, we know it's going to be a better payoff later. We know there's rewards for it. He's going to bless us. He's going to do something with that. Now, does that mean everything's going to work out according to the American dream? Absolutely not, because the author's not done. He explains, after we talked about that great list of how people did great things in faith, he says this next, 1135. He said, there were others who were tortured. Who wants to sign up for that? He's not done. Refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And the word, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the desert and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. You see, that's why faith can't be that God's just going to give me good things. It doesn't actually work that way. None of this, none of us would say this is good. This is, of course, all the stuff we want to avoid. We want a life of comfort. We want health. We want wealth. We want love. But no matter what you want in life, we all know that life throws curveballs, doesn't it? 
We all know that the reality of life is that good things happen, excuse me, bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. We know the world isn't fair. You see, a life of faith doesn't mean material wealth here, although it may. And in fact, if you are materially blessed here, the Christian then uses that material wealth for what? To propel the mission of God. He blesses us so we can bless others. Nowhere, I mean nowhere in the scriptures are we told to hoard our wealth and to keep it for ourselves. And this means that although you may be in poor in this life, you can be richly rewarded in the next. There's going to be a great reversal of things. You see, someone like Mother Teresa, who chose to live a life of poverty among the poorest in the world and serve them, will be richly rewarded in the life to come. You see, regardless of how material blessed we are here, we are told that living on faith and stepping out on faith, he will reward us in eternity, in the life to come. And I ask, do you believe that? I mean, do you actually believe there's a reward for your faith? That there's a payoff, there's something better, something else in store? It's not to make you feel bad, but it's to remind you that when we step out on faith, we step out with the promises of God that something even better is going to happen. Maybe not in this life, but in life to come. You see, you don't need to get frozen in fear. Because that's the reason why we don't want to take steps of faith. It's the unknown. It's the uncertainty. It's the, I'm not ready for this. But we don't need to be frozen in fear when God is the one directing our paths. We can trust in him. We rely on him. We understand he, he will lead us to where he wants us. For instance, I think I've told you this story before. When I knew God was calling me to vocational ministry, it scared me to death. I didn't want to do it. It's like there's, there's no way because all I ever heard about were people who were sold out for the Lord went to the jungles and were missionaries. And I said, Lord, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to the jungle. I just don't. I don't want to go to the jungle. It's not what I want. So I don't want to serve you because you're going to send me to the jungle. So I said, I don't want to do it. Over time, I just said, you know what? I need to do this. So I went forward. And do you know what the crazy thing is? Then I found out there was one billion people in India who had never heard the gospel. Meaning, even if they wanted to hear the gospel, there's not enough Christians or Christian influence that they could even hear the gospel. One billion people. When I found that out, I said, oh, Lord, I want to go to India. I said, I want to go. Guess what he said? Nope. So hold, hold on. The thing I was afraid to do, I wanted to do, and then he's like, no, I never wanted to do that to begin with. That's not for you. That's not your calling. So a lot of the times, the fears we have, God's like, well, you wouldn't be good at that anyways. I'm not sending you over there. What are you thinking? Like, God, you might make me your pastor. Like, no, I know you. No. You got something. You'd just be a great business person who loves the Lord. You can have far more influence than a pastor anyways. Serving the Lord, don't be scared to go all in. He'll direct your paths. Don't let fear stop you from living a faith-filled Because God wants to take you to a place, Jesus wants you to lead you to a place where your faith overwhelms your fears. And the more you trust him, the more you find out it's true. You see, all those listed in the hall of faith, they lived as if they had nothing to lose. Because they they understood that he's the one who gave it all anyways. He can give and he can take away as quickly as he wants. So they live open-handedly. They said, Lord, here it is. It's yours. I'll just follow you. 
And the writer of Hebrew ends with a crown example of faith. He lists all these people who did amazing things, but he's like, yeah, we got to talk about one more person. Here he is. Who do you think it is before we get there? It's Jesus. Come on. Remember, 85% of the time, Jesus, that's how it works. All right. Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, saying, guys, you know their story. You've heard about them. You've seen the things they've done. We are witnesses to that. Such a great cloud of witness. Let us throw off everything that hinders. What's that thing that's hindering you? Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us throw off those things. He says, look, so many people have gone before you. There's a testimony to it. So what's weighing you down? What's stopping you from taking that step of faith? What's creating a difficulty? He says, throw it away. Just get rid of it. Or what's that sin that's entangled you, right? Sin's like a spider web. It just messes you all up, gets in your face. You're trying to wipe your eyes. You can't even move because it gets all in that. He says, no, throw off that sin. Get rid of it. And he says, keep running the race marked out, right? He said, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What that means is God has created a race for you. Like, Brian, I don't feel like running. I know, it's just it's a metaphor, right? I mean, it's not real. But he's created you with a purpose. There's something for you to accomplish. Every single one of us, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Since he's created us, he gets to have the say on what our purpose is. And so since he's done that, he says, all of you have been created with the purpose and the plans. Every single one of us. And so it's our job then to seek him, find him, and learn and work through that purpose and plans. Does that mean by the time you're 16, he's going to have your whole life mapped out? No, he's not your mom. He doesn't work that way, right? Do some of you have parents who had your whole life mapped out? Some of you are all afraid to say because your parents are in the room, right? Yeah, no, but as we take steps of faith, he reveals more and he reveals more and he reveals more. So he says, keep running that race. He says this, this is how you do it. Verse 2, he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Hey, just look at Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. And he's the one who started this whole thing. He's the one who perfected faith. If you want to see perfect faith, look at Jesus. See the greatest example of faith? Look at Jesus. He tells us why. He says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy of the cross? Doesn't even make sense, does it? Jesus had perfect faith. He understood what would happen. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yeah, he went to the cross, but where is he now? The right hand of God. Understand that the shame or the persecution or the things that you may go through, you will be, there will be a great reversal later in that. No matter what you deal with here will not pale comparison to what he has in store for the faithful. He said, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He's like, look, the payoff, the payoff. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look, life's not easy. It's not easy for any of us. But it will be worth it if you step out and live on faith. And so I ask, or will I say, why do we live boldly for the Lord? Why do we take our faith serious? Because he created this whole thing. And he says he'll reward those who faithfully follow him. You see, we have placed our faith in Jesus because he says he'll make our lives better. We'll have more peace, more joy, 
more satisfying lives. Isn't that what everybody's looking for? A satisfied, peaceful, joyful life. Imagine finding that no matter what life throws at you. No matter what your situation looks like around you, you still have peace, joy, and contentment. All of us are seeking those. We just may be looking in the wrong place. So a better question, I think, is why aren't you boldly living for the Lord? Why not? That's the why you get to deal with. Why aren't you boldly living for the Lord? So what's your next step? Maybe it's taking that job or maybe it's leaving that job. Maybe it's moving to the jungle. Maybe it's going to college. Maybe it's going back to college. Maybe it's breaking up with that person you know you need to break up with. Or maybe, maybe it's forgiving like Jesus said to do. Maybe it's giving like Jesus said to do, or loving like Jesus said to do, or sharing your faith, or serving, or worshiping. See, why do those things? Because every one of them has an amazing reward attached to it. Search the scriptures, you'll find out. Every single one of them has an amazing reward attached to it. And you don't want to miss them. You don't want to get to the end of your life Regretting the choices, because we only get one of these things. And you and I, we don't want to miss a thing that God has in store for us. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we boldly ask you to show us our next step of faith. Lord, we ask for your spirit to convict us and show us, Lord. We're so thankful that through your scriptures, you reveal to us how you work. That if we step out on faith in the small things, that you will show us the larger things to take step forward of faith with. We also learn that if we're not being faithful in the smaller things, you will not reveal to us the larger things. So Lord, help us. Show us. Help us be bold for you. Help us get excited about you. Help us live for you. Help us throw off all those things that are entangled us, or those things we're worried about. I mean, God, you're controlling this big ball of rock floating around and nothing. My goodness, Lord, you are so powerful. Surely we can trust you with our tomorrow, our jobs and our marriages and our kids. God, let us keep our eyes on Jesus, who went through an incredible amount of shame and pain for us that we may have life, an eternal one. So Lord, we see the rewards of faith. Inspire us to live it out daily. Inspire us to tell others about it. Because you created this whole thing, Lord. And you reward those who faithfully follow. Father, we love you and thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.